Okay, the break is probably <clears throat> only about five minutes in. <clears throat> Did you get those pictures? Are they going to work? Okay. I'm going to reference those up front. And, um, and then about five minutes in, I'll be at John 15.1. And hopefully that'll be enough. Hey, I want to start this morning with some pictures, and uh, don't overthink these pictures, don't overanalyze, just feel what you feel, see what you see when I show you these pictures. Uh, they're pictures of grapevines. I, I don't think they qualify really as vineyards, but they're just backyard grapevines. Maybe you have a backyard grapevine, you can compare these uh, to yours, maybe yours is better. Maybe it's not better, uh, but just a couple of pictures as we get started today. This first group of pictures belong to uh, the grapevine of Gary and Tressie Vinning. Some of you know Gary and Tressie. Uh, they plant stuff all over their backyard. They have a huge vegetable garden. They have blueberry bushes. Uh, they have banana trees. Next time you see Gary, ask him about the banana trees. But they also have this grapevine. As you're looking at these pictures, notice how clean and manicured and well-tended these grapevines are. They've got them raised way off the ground, running along a nice trellis. They've been pruned and they've been cut back so they are ready to bear fruit. Uh, Gary and Tressie are great at gardening and you can tell that uh, in their grapevine here. Uh, now these next couple of pictures and, and I know with pictures it may be difficult to tell the difference. You may not see a real difference between the two but uh, this second group of pictures, those are pictures of my grapevine. And again, it's very similar to the Vinning's grapevine. I mean, except for the fact that there's a small tree growing up in the middle of my grapevine that has nothing to do with the grapes themselves. Uh, one of the posts is falling down. Maybe you saw that. I, I don't know if you can tell from the pictures, but my grapevine is also taking over the woods all around our house. Uh, it is engulfing the whole area. As a matter of fact, when I walk the dogs uh, during the day, sometimes I see grapevines all over our neighborhood. I, I kind of think my grapevine is just going to take over the whole subdivision. One day entire homes will be covered in uh, Sermon's Vineyard grapevines. Uh, Obviously, my grapevine is not as well tended as the grapevine of Gary and Tressie Vinning. You know, the, the obvious difference is uh, Gary and Tressie have taken time and care. They've cut away parts. They've pruned back. They've, they've prepared their grapevine for a harvest 
this summer. I have sort of let all the branches grow into a messy, gnarly pile and, and not really taking care of it. Here, here's the thing about planting, and, and these two grapevines uh, are great illustrations. When it comes to planting, uh, there's more involved than just planting and walking away. There's more involved in in reaping a harvest, especially a good harvest, a positive har harvest, a fruitful harvest. There's more to that than putting a seed in the ground and then coming back three months later and getting all of the fruit. There's tending. Right? Someone has to fertilize. Someone has to water. Someone has to prune. Someone has to weed. Someone has to clear out all of the things that are going to be hazardous to the growth of the plant or of the vine. There's continual care that is needed in order for us to experience the harvest that we really want to harvest. Now Jesus is going to use this very analogy in John chapter 15. If you want to find it in your Bibles, it's the fourth book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's one of the Gospels where uh, the author is telling the story and the life of Jesus, what he did and what he taught. In John chapter 15, Jesus is leaving the upper room. That, that's where he had the Passover meal with his disciples right before he was going to go to the Garden of Gethsemane, he was going to be betrayed, he was going to be arrested, and then within a few hours he was going to be crucified and buried. As they are leaving the upper room, Jesus gives an analogy about the grapevine. As a matter of fact, at the very last words of chapter 14 are, Come now, let us leave. So they're leaving the Passover meal in the upper room. And, and chances are, as they were going to the Garden of Gethsemane, they passed a vineyard or they passed a grapevine or certainly they passed the temple where there would have been imagery of a grapevine. One of those images caused Jesus to use the grapevine as an illustration of our spiritual lives. Here's what Jesus said to the disciples in John chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do Nothing. So as Jesus starts this teaching, he claims that he, Jesus, is the true vine, which to us sounds like a fun analogy. That's a great word picture. It would have resonated differently with the disciples. See, throughout the Old Testament, Israel is called the vine, and most 
times when that imagery is used to describe Israel, it's a negative description. Several times in the Old Testament, we're told Israel is the grapevine and the fruit they're producing is not good. It's sour grapes or, or it's bad fruit. And so Israel is portrayed in the Old Testament as the vine. Jesus says, no, I'm the true vine. Jesus is the true vine. And, and his message to the disciples is, as he was soon going to turn over the kingdom to them and the, the mission to them, his message was your identity it's not really in the nation that you come from. It's not the culture that you've come from. It's not even the traditions that you've come from. You are to be, you are to be grounded and connected to not the nation of Israel. Your primary spiritual connection is Jesus. If you're connected to Jesus, then you're connected to the Father. How do we put that into our day and time? Well, it's the same. Our primary spiritual connection is Jesus. It's how close are we to Jesus? How much do we love and follow Jesus? And there are other connections that can support us in our connection to Jesus. The church should support our spiritual connection to Jesus. The church should help us grow in our spiritual connection to Jesus. But our connection to the church doesn't replace is not a priority over our connection to Jesus. The people around us, the friends around us should encourage us spiritually, should encourage us in our commitment to God, but that's not a substitute for our connection to Jesus. Jesus said in John 15 to the disciples and says to us, your spiritual connection is to Jesus, that you would know him, that you would love him, that you would follow him. And then after saying that, Jesus begins to describe what will happen to us if we are connected to Jesus. If we're connected to Jesus, then God, the gardener, is going to be continually working in our lives. God, the gardener, will continuously work with those who are in the garden. He doesn't view the grapevine like somebody I know, that, well, it's out there, it'll just do its thing. It, branches will just grow wherever they want to grow. They'll just kind of turn into a big mess. That's, that's not God's approach to gardening our lives. Instead, God steps into our lives and is continuously pruning and clearing and directing he's he's looking for branches that could bear more fruit and he's and he's supporting those he's 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 putting them up high the way Gary and Tressie's were not down low my grapevine honestly because it's so low it's it's primarily one big deer feeder because as the grapes just as they're getting ripe, the deer all show up. It's like a deer buffet at my house. They clean me out. They leave me just a couple after they're done. That's really my contribution is I'm, I'm helping the natural order of things by feeding all the deer. God looks at our lives and, and where branches are low, branches that could produce fruit, God's lifting those up. God's encouraging us. God's wanting us to experience strength and health and, and vitality. And he's not just hoping that that happens in our lives. 
He's not just distantly watching as the branches grow. Jesus says, if we're connected to Jesus, if we're close to Jesus, if we're in love with, if we're following Jesus, God the gardener is going to, he's going to come in and he's going to help us as we grow. Some, some plants tend to grow better with a support system, with, with a trellis of some sort. And so, and so a good gardener is going to direct that growth. They're, uh, maybe they're going to tie off some, some of the branches so that they get growing in the right direction. That's a bit of what Jesus is saying here. God's going to direct our growth. If, if we'll let him, if, if we'll be humble towards him, if, if we'll be flexible to the work that he wants to do in us, God is going to direct the growth of our lives in the, the healthiest, strongest direction. Right? God wants to position each branch to reach its maximum potential. That's what God wants to do. He's not trying to harm us. He's not trying to hurt us. He's trying to take the branch that is our life, the, the branches that become who we are, and he's, he's wanting to position those so that they would reach their full potential and bear the maximum amount of fruit. That's, that's the gardener that God is for us. How can I support your life? How can I direct your life so that it reaches its full potential? We just have to let the gardener do his work. Like we, we can't resist that work. Right? Different from a, an actual grapevine, you and I have that option. You and I can say no. You and I can push back. You and I can ignore what God is trying to do. Sometimes we do that with weaker branches in our lives. We know they're there. Like we, we've known for a long time. Uh, maybe other people have noticed them in our lives as well. We know there are areas of our lives that aren't lifted up, that aren't strong, that aren't growing in the direction that they're supposed to grow. And we can leave them there. We can ignore them. We can walk away. But God, our gardener who loves us, who has our greatest potential, our greatest future in mind, he's wanting to step into our lives and say, come on, let's work on this. Let's not just leave that laying down there. Let's direct this to where it can reach its maximum potential. You see, the gardener is working for the good of the branches. That's what you and I can know in our relationship to Jesus, in our relationship to God. The gardener is working for the good of our future and the harvest and what our life is producing. And that's Maybe a little bit easier for us to, uh, to understand or to take or to accept when it involves lifting up, when it involves encouraging something that's in my life, uh, when it involves strengthening something in my life. But that's not all a good gardener does. A, a good gardener doesn't just strengthen the, the branch that has potential. The good gardener also cuts away the things that are keeping the vine from reaching its potential, keeping the branch from keeping its potential. These were Jesus' words in verse 2. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Even the good branches, even the good branches need some cutting away because there are things that distract. There are things that pull away from the potential of fruit in that branch. So Jesus says even the good branches, we're going to 
prune those back because here's what we know. Here's what gardeners know. Cutting back means growing more. Cutting back means growing more. And you, you see this in your yard. You know that there comes a time when you have to cut back the hedges, cut, cut back the bushes, cut, cut back the landscape so that new growth can emerge. Healthier growth can emerge. It's, it's an opportunity for even more uh, vital, healthier branches to begin to grow because we, we cut back. There's the opportunity for that uh, plant to, to fit better in the overall landscape of what's happening in your yard. For, for God, he's looking at our lives and saying, if we could cut some of this back, then you would live more fully into the purpose that you were created. If we could remove some of the distractions in your life, then there would be more room for healthier growth. It, it's like weeding, right? If you have a garden, weeding is a part of it. You've got to get in there and you've got to pull out what is going to be a threat to the good harvest. Because if you, if you let weeds do whatever they want, eventually uh, they're going to choke out plants. They're, they're going to compete with the plant for nutrition and water and sunlight. Uh, they are going to be, begin to steal from the potential harvest that is in the good plant. So somebody's got to get to the garden and begin to remove those things that are going to be detrimental in the long run to the health of the branch. That's what God's doing. He's not punishing us. He's not angry with us. God is trying to remove from our lives Anything that's going to be detrimental to the person you were created to be by God. That's going to be detrimental to you fulfilling the plans and purposes that God has put in your lives. Think of it this way. There are branches that have to go if we want to grow. There are branches that have to go if we want to grow. There are things that need to get pulled out of our lives that they need to get cut back because they're stealing the energy and the vitality and the health of what God's trying to do in our lives. They're distracting us. They're pulling our time and our energy and our focus away from what God's really trying to build. And some of those, some of those items and issues are just bad branches. They're just things we don't need in our life. They're, they're bad habits. They're bad ways of thinking. They're their uh, bad approaches to life. There are people who have come into our life that are not contributing to the overall spiritual health of our lives. They're pulling away. They're like weeds. They're like a bad branch. They're sucking energy that could be used for eternal things. And so God helps us, directs us in the removing of those things. But sometimes it the things that need to be removed from our life may not, on the surface, be a bad thing. It, they may not be immoral. They may not be unethical by themselves. They may not be sinful. But God looks at where I am, or God looks at where you are in your spiritual life, and he says, this is, this is not an immoral thing. It's just not helping you. 
It's not getting you where God's trying to grow you. It's not moving you towards a more fruitful life. And so it's an okay thing. Maybe some, in some people's lives, it's a good thing. In your life, it's become a distraction. It's, it's sucking energy and health. And, and maybe that's habits. Maybe that's relationships. Uh, maybe that's patterns. Maybe that's the way we're thinking or the way we're approaching certain things on the surface. I mean, you could justify them. That's kind of what makes it hard is you could rationalize them. You could justify them. They're really not that bad, but God has been saying to you, yeah, they're not that bad in general. They're just bad for you right now. They're bad for what God is trying to accomplish in you, in me right now. And so what the gardener wants to do is the gardener wants to remove those things. All of us need this continual tending in our hearts, this continual pruning and lifting and directing in our hearts. And, and maybe, just as we're talking today, maybe you know what some of those areas are. Maybe as we're talking, some of them are popping up in the back of your mind. and You're trying to push them back. No, I don't want to think about that. No, that's not what he's talking about. Maybe they're popping up in your mind for a reason. Maybe you've known about them. Maybe God's already started his tending. He's already started his gardening. You haven't yielded fully to it yet, but God's already been saying, all right, this one, this one we need to lift up and this one we need to cut back. This one we need to remove. For the time being, maybe, we need to put this out of your life because it's keeping you from being who you need to be. And God's doing this not because he's harsh. Right? Not, 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 not because he's angry. <clears throat> but because like a good gardener, the health of the branches is always on his mind. The, the harvest of the fruit is the, is the goal that he knows is in your future. And he's trying to move you towards that harvest. And, and let me be clear. When we talk about the gardener, especially when we talk about pruning, we don't mean that God's going to take everything out of our life. Right? That we should never do anything. We shouldn't go out of our house. Some of us haven't been out, in our, out of our house in a while. We, shouldn't, we should live as a recluse. It's not some sort of asceticism, complete self-denial, live as a recluse. That, that's, not, that's not what the gardener does. But the gardener does enter our lives day after day and lift up and cut away and lift up and cut away and direct the branches of our lives. And you and I have to let him. Even when that is not comfortable, even when it's not pleasant. The writer of Hebrews uses uh, this uh, uh, analogy of a parent-child relationship and the, and the relationship of a, a parent disciplining their children. And here's what he says in Hebrews chapter 12. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while, human fathers did, while as, the, uh, while as though they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. 
Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Discipline, pruning, weeding, clearing out, it often doesn't seem pleasant at the time. But it's producing a harvest of goodness in our lives. If we, if we remain in Christ, if we remain connected to Christ, if our love of Christ, our knowledge of Christ is growing, then God is going to enter into our lives to make us stronger. And sometimes God uses just the natural events of our life to do that. Sometimes God uses the struggles of our life, the difficulties of our life. Sometimes those struggles and difficulties are God's way of removing things that need to go from our lives, pulling down the priority list, those things that they've just been at the, at the top of the priority list for too long and they're not producing fruit in our lives. That pruning, that clearing away often comes through the struggles of life. Sometimes it comes through the consequences of our choices. Sometimes it comes through the people that God puts around us as they help us see, you know what, this needs to go. Maybe it's not a bad thing. Maybe it's not a terrible thing. It just needs to go because it's not helping me become the person that God wants me to become. And the Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews is right. It's not always fun. It's not always easy. It's not always pleasant but it's an ongoing part of the life of the person that's connected to Jesus. It's the ongoing process of growing in Christ as we remain in Jesus. It's one of the reasons you shouldn't think of your spiritual life as some moment back in time. Like there was a moment that you prayed a prayer and that may have been a significant turning point, but that's not the definition of your spiritual life. I sometimes talk to people about where they are spiritually in their responses. Well, I grew up going to church. And, and, and that's a great thing. To grow up going to church is, is a great thing. But, but Jesus reminds us in John 15, the spiritual life is this continual process of God shaping us and directing us. It's right now. It's, it's what God is doing in us right now because we are connected to Jesus so God continues to work and tend to produce fruit in our life. Paul, maybe more than anyone other than Jesus, gives us such great insight into what that fruit will look like. One of the classic statements on, on fruit is found in Galatians chapter 5. It's not the only one, but, but it's the one most of us remember Paul writes in Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. What a beautiful picture of what should be growing in our life. And Paul gives other lists and other places. The Bible gives other examples of what our life should look like. But just take that one. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Who wouldn't want that? Like who wouldn't want that to be the garden of their life? 
Who wouldn't want their branches connected to Jesus and producing this sort of fruit? When people talk about you, when people talk about me, don't you hope they would say that about us? I mean, who wouldn't want that to be the conversation that people have when our name comes up, when they talk about the type of person that we are? This is what God's trying to produce in us. He's not trying to harm us. He's not trying to hurt us. He's trying to bring this beautiful life out of us. And that requires tending. That requires cutting away and lifting up and and watering and fertilizing our life because we're connected to Jesus. See, we have, we have two parts in this process. Only two things that we're responsible for. Our, responsi- our responsibility is to stay close to Jesus and then let God do his work in us. Stay close to Jesus. Let God do his work in us. Don't resist it. Don't say no. Don't fight it. Don't hold on to branches he's trying to prune. Don't let the branches of our lives continue to lay in the dirt when God's trying to lift them up and strengthen them and take them to a new place. Don't demand to hold on to distractions that God is trying to push out of our lives. We stay close to Jesus. Our love for Jesus grows. Our, our, our knowledge and understanding of Jesus grows. Our eyes stay on Jesus. And then we allow the gardener to do his work. We allow the gardener to do his work. That's our part. We're just a branch. We're just a branch that's being groomed and tended by God. Now, if you remember the pictures from the beginning, I have a lot of work to do in my grapevine at home. I, I, I have a lot of redirecting some branches, a, a lot of cutting away, a lot of trimming back, a, a lot of rebuilding of some structure, some support system, so that hopefully, hopefully in the future, there's a better harvest. Hopefully in the future, I'm more prepared for what could grow in my life. See, here's the thing about this, this, this process. It, it never stops. The gardener is never done because spring is going to be followed by summer and summer is going to be followed by fall and, and fall is going to give way to some winters. We're going to have some winters in this growth process there's going to be some harsh times some desolate times but winter is going to give way to spring again and the gardener's still going to be working he's still going to be tending let me encourage you not to be satisfied where you are in your spiritual life be satisfied in jesus receive his grace be satisfied in the love and forgiveness that he gives you but know that god is still working on you He's still tending to you to produce the greatest fruit possible in your life. So let him. Just let him do his work. God, thank you that you don't stop this process. You you don't stop working in us or on us to produce the fruit that you desire to produce. And so... May we remain in Jesus.
May we stay close to Jesus. May our love for Jesus grow, our understanding of Jesus grow. May our, may our eyes stay on Jesus so that you can then step into our life, build up what needs to be strengthened, cut away the things that are distracting us from growth. Help us not to fight that. Help us not to resist that. Help us to welcome the work of the gardener in our lives. I pray it in Jesus' name, amen.